0: You're listening to The Birdbath, presented by The Fountain Report. I'm your host, Ryan Leach. Welcome back to The Birdbath. Each week we scrape the surface of the news you need to know, so let's get into it. Do non-competes invalidate your VCPR? One advocate against non-competes thinks so. Dr. Bradley Bishop of North Carolina took to LinkedIn to outline how North Carolina statutes define the VCPR. In his post, he hit on the three points within the statute. One is that the veterinarian has assumed the responsibility for making medical judgments regarding the health of the animal. Two, there is sufficient knowledge of the animal by the veterinarian to initiate at least a general or preliminary diagnosis of the medical conditions of the animal. And three, and this is the real sticking point for Dr. Bishop, is that the practicing veterinarian is readily available or provides for follow-up in case of adverse reactions or failure of the regimen of therapy. Dr. Bishop's interpretation of these statutes, as confirmed by his legal counsel, is that non-compete agreements prohibit the practicing veterinarian from being readily available or from providing follow-up on cases. The the VCPR in North Carolina must be established in person and in his view, only applies to one veterinarian. It does not cover the entire practice. Now, this is a interesting take and an interesting angle, but will this be enough of an angle to push practices and hospitals away from non-competes? Only time will tell. In other practice news, another unionized hospital was unceremoniously axed. Thrive Pet Healthcare has announced the closure of a hospital in Rochester, New York. The news came as a surprise to the team of 132 when they received an email that was intended as an internal draft to referring practices. Veterinary Specialists and Emergency Services, which goes by VSES, has formed a union in January 2022 and was in contract talks with Thrive when the missent sent email made its rounds. The missent sent email was a, a hot-button issue on social media after it was posted by a recently or, or soon-to-be laid-off employee. And many in the in the industry were extremely outraged and fired up about the closure of an ER and specialty hospital in an area without other nearby resources. In a goal to be as transparent and clear as possible, we reached out to Thrive and they made a, a comment for us. So Thrive Pet Healthcare responded back to the birdbath and let us know that due to a lack of ER doctors, we have made a very difficult decision to close the Veterinary Specialist and Emergency Services Hospital in Rochester. We explored multiple options to remain in service including recruitment and staffing with the rotation of doctors from other clinics in the area the pool of full-time relief candidates with emergency and surgical care experience is very limited this is a nationwide challenge that our team is experiencing acutely in the rochester region you know to jump in here this is not news to a lot of us we do know that there are significant strains on the teams that have to staff these practices and especially more so in the er space i did ask for a comment on the union talks but it was not part of the continued statement uh, if i dive back into it here though Uh, Thrive said, we still have four ER doctors on schedule. However, the demand for veterinary care requires at least 11 ER doctors to cover day and night shifts at VSES. Sometimes we even need additional relief doctors to provide much needed care. We recognize that the closure of this hospital is a huge loss to the community and our team members, and the decision to close was one of the most difficult ones we've made as a company. A lot of this aligns with what we hear from many consolidators in the space, and a lot of consolidators are looking to find ways to eliminate the utilization of relief doctors within clinics due to the increased cost of these additional services especially when you have an unknown quantity of care that's gonna be coming through the practice like you do in an ER or specialty clinic, relief practice and relief doctors can be a severe strain on the finances of these clinics. As I said, here at The Birdbath, we always wanna represent both sides of the story and let you, our listeners, be the judge. So let us know your thoughts, especially if you live in the Rochester area, we'd love to hear how this may be impacting you or to hear your first person take on this story as more develops or as more pieces of the story come out, we'll be sure to let you know. TeleVet has rebranded as Auto. In an announcement of their fresh $43 million Series B, the company took the opportunity to rebrand themselves as Auto, O-T-T-O. This move makes a mountain of business sense as the name TeleVet no longer represented the full suite of products the company now offers. I, for one, was continually confused by the old naming, and I'm happy to see a more clear alignment away from their telemedicine roots. Auto now offers three product lines, Auto Flow, Auto Pay, and Auto Care. This rebranding must have been in the works for a while because as their business line has diversified from being a telemedicine exclusive business, they've definitely found additional revenue paths and that $43 million Series B is gonna be a real boost to their overall penetration into the market in other news more dog owners are questioning vaccines like rabies after covid in a recent report more than half of us dog owners expressed concern about pet vaccines including against rabies the study surveyed 2200 people on their opinions regarding routine vaccinations given to pet dogs specifically the rabies vaccine of those polled 37 percent believed canine vaccination is unsafe 22% feel that it's ineffective and 30% find it unnecessary. Overall, a whopping 53% hold at least one of these beliefs. That's over half of people believe that vaccines are unsafe, ineffective, or unnecessary. The study also found the persistence of long disproven vaccine myths that usually apply to humans, with nearly 40% of respondents expressing concern that vaccines could cause their dogs to develop autism. This one is just a a tough story to get through Uh, with the misinformation out here. It's staggering to to see that this is still a a continued thing happening. Uh, The fear of vaccines was backed up by UNICEF, the CDC and the AMA, who found that vaccination rates among children has also dropped, with sources citing a lack of trust in the COVID-19 vaccine being assigned to vaccines in general. For a state of reference here, though, dogs carrying rabies result in 99% of human rabies deaths per year. So my bottom line here is get your dogs vaccinated. In a bit of a change of story here, nutrition-associated DCM is not caused by legume-rich pet diet. The latest study by BSM Partners and the University of Illinois published the results of a six-month study that found both grain-inclusive and grain-free canine diets had no negative effects on digestibility. Dr. Stephanie Clark, an article co author and board certified companion animal nutritionist, said While some have postulated that pulse rich diets could perhaps be a cause of nutrition associated dilated cardiomyopathy in canines due to potentially negative effects of digestibility, our results showed all diets were highly digestible. So this study means that the birdbath is issuing its first apology and to the queen of the home lifestyle herself Martha Stewart just last week we discussed her new food coming out and carried on some of the questions that people had about her inclusion of peas as a favorite of her dog food. This is uh, something that this study really disproves and and goes against what a lot of people have held as a long-held belief in the space. So we've got two stories in a row here of people with long-held beliefs. Uh, Hopefully this is one that can help people keep their pets more safe, and the other one can encourage people to do more vaccines. But to read the whole peer-reviewed article, check out the Journal of American Science, and there's a link in the description. Now, a serious story, but one that hopefully can save some lives, is that the opioid overdose anecdote, Narcan, will be available over the counter in coming days. As the fentanyl pandemic continues to spread across the country, Narcan will soon be available at CVS, Walmart, Walgreens, and many other retailers. The manufacturer Emergent BioSolutions suggests a $44.99 price point for the two-dose box. Now, as this relates to folks in the veterinary field, the FDA has published suggestions and advice for veterinary practices on how to safely handle opioids in clinic and how to be aware of use and abuse by pet parents, employees, and even potential utilization or overdoses by animals. Additionally, the FDA warns that carelessness by opioid users could spike the number of animal overdoses that clinics see. So having Narcan within the veterinary clinic is not a bad idea, especially in a situation where you do have these medications that are being prescribed within the clinics. If you do suspect a pet has been exposed to opioids, you can reach the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine's emergency hotline, which we will be certain to link in the show notes. This is a fantastic resource to reach out to if you have any suspected overdoses of any pets. Now it's something that we're hearing that people are seeing in a lot of canine drug sniffing dogs, but I do think it's something to be aware of for pet owners that are using or even mishandling prescriptions. Our final story is about AI, artificial intelligence. And if you're not a fan of it, well, this could be a big piece for you. And if you're loving it, it's something that we all need to be on the lookout for. The word here is that when AI starts teaching AI, models may, quote, collapse. For anyone that's not fully aware or briefed on how AI works, large language models take data sets and begin to train themselves on those. So it's taking all of the information that's accessible out there on the internet and beginning to learn off of it and making predictive analysis based on what's out there. The author of this paper on the topic, Ilya Shimalov, Used a following analogy, though, talking about AI model collapse. The analogy states that a model receives a dataset containing 90 yellow objects and 10 blue ones. So if you were to ask about blue objects, it would see them and be able to give you information on those. But overwhelmingly, it would see those 90 yellow objects. Because there are more yellow objects, it begins to turn the blue objects greenish. Over time, it forgets the blue objects existed. And it begins to turn those green objects more and more yellow. The data that's coming out of this is no longer correct or accurate. Uh, With each generation of synthetic data, outliers disappear and outputs become less accurately reflective of reality. And what's left is nonsense, says Shumilov. This is one of those things that, in time, begins to go over my head when I'm thinking about this, but what it tells me is that we definitely need to be cognizant and aware of where AI models are being trained. I know a lot of businesses in the VET space are diving headfirst into AI models, and it's a good question to ask them where these models are learning from and where they're teaching them. If you want to learn about more stories like this, join us by subscribing to The Fountain Report. There's a link in the bio. And don't miss out on any episodes of The Birdbath by subscribing and rating the show. For The Birdbath, I'm Ryan Leach. See you next week.